Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Good evening. Today, for a change, I'll be talking about property tax. And I know most people who uh, watch uh, my videos or follow my work or post questions uh, know that my main expertise is property tax. But uh, for the last few months, I've been mainly focusing on property investing because a lot of people have been asking questions about uh, my uh, property uh, deal in Bicker, where we're building 49 houses. So I got quite involved in that. And I thought I'd better go back to tax because that's what people know me for. And that's what people want to hear about. So I'll be covering today uh, some issues on tax. I've been, before I go any further, uh, tax for me has two separate parts. One is the more macro level. So whether you're looking at capital gains tax or inheritance tax or income tax uh, or VAT or any of the other taxes from a macro level, how do we structure the business and what things should we be thinking about? That's a much longer conversation. It will be a much longer deep dive. That would really be more of a webinar as opposed to a Facebook Live. Uh, and on a more micro level, it's looking at some of the kind of small tax planning opportunities that I think you ought to be looking at, which sometimes I see property investors missing out on. And it's a bit of a shame, really, because if you don't use certain allowances or exemptions, uh, then you lose them. Uh, and it's quite painful to tell somebody that you could have claimed X, whatever X may be, uh, but you can't claim it now because you're out of here or you've missed it. Uh, so those are the, uh, the kind of points I'll be covering tonight. If you've got any questions, feel free to post them. Happy to answer them right now. If for any reason I can't answer a question, as always, I'll come back to you, whether it's doing it uh, at next week or on the Facebook Live or coming back to you directly. So feel free to engage because that's the best way for me and for you to get to know each other and obviously share my expertise the best that I can. So the first one, and a very important one that I see a lot of property investors don't do, is to have a pre-year-end tax meeting with your accountant or your tax advisor. So this is generally done around about six weeks to 10 weeks before your year-end, looking at where you anticipate your profit to be, what kind of things you could claim that you haven't claimed, and what considerations you should be making, including, of course, uh, how much tax you're going to pay so you can uh, plan from a cash flow perspective. Alongside that, that's also a good time if you haven't already done it to think about pension contributions uh, and make sure that you use up your uh, allowance for that particular year to make pension contributions. That would be £40,000 every single year. Uh, and if you've been part of a pension uh, scheme in the last three years and haven't made contributions or have made some contributions, you get to carry that forward. Uh, so if you were part of a, let's say, a, a pension uh, scheme, but you've made no contributions uh, in the last three years and the current year, that means you can make £40,000 per year for four years, £160,000. So if you'd made, let's say, two hundred grand profit in a particular year from your trading business, let's say you buy and sell property, uh, and you made £160,000 contribution, let's say, into a SAS, a small self-administered scheme, then you would only pay tax on the balance of 200000 less than 160000 £40,000 uh, at 19% if you had a limited company. Now, uh, the benefit is obviously 
The 160 goes into your SaaS. You can then use that to buy commercial property, or you can loan back up to 50% to your uh, trading company. So that's uh, something that people miss out on quite often, and I think they should make more use of that. Alongside that, uh, I, I, there are still lots of people who own property in their own names. For some, it's worth incorporating. For others, it's not worth incorporating. And I think it's an important consideration and a conversation for you to have with your accountant every single year to review whether you should incorporate or not. Uh, and uh, I guess there are some people who are jumping on the bandwagon and think they must incorporate. And I've seen some cases where people shouldn't have incorporated they have incorporated and they've incurred five, ten, fifteen thousand plus in fees. Uh, so there's no one size fits all. There's no uh, kind of a, a blanket answer. It depends on your personal circumstances and situation. But do review that on a regular basis. Alongside that, I think remuneration planning, whether it's in terms of salary, dividend, bonuses, is important. Uh, and if if you've got children and you're claiming child benefit. Uh, then look, and if you, or I assume if, if you've got children, uh, there's a husband and wife scenario there. Uh, if there is, uh, then uh, look at how you can best plan your uh, salary and your remuneration so you don't lose uh, your right to child benefit. For some people, they can't be helped, obviously, uh, because the income is uh, higher than it ought to be and they can't do anything about it. But sometimes one partner is taking uh, more money, the other one is taking less. And if it was balanced properly, uh, they wouldn't lose their right to child benefit. So that's something that I think you ought to be thinking about quite uh, clearly. I have a question uh, from somebody. This is Facebook user. So thank you for your question, whoever you are. And the question is, if your only income is from property, what are the efficient ways to extract, say, 40 to 50,000 pounds a year to live on if you make 100 grand profit for property in your own name? and 100 grand for property in your limited company. Well, that's, there's two parts to that particular question. If you own the property in your own name and you're making £100,000 profit, you're going to have to pay income tax on that. Whether or not you take the money out or not, or you leave it in the business, you've got to pay tax uh, on that. And the same applies if you have a partnership, and the same applies if you have a limited liability partnership. So you pay all the tax on all the profit you've made, whether or not you use that for personal purposes or not. So there's nothing that can be done about that. The second part of your question to do with a limited company, if a company makes uh, £100,000 uh, profit, let's say that's pre-tax, uh, or in fact, let's say it's post-tax, post-corporation post tax, so you've paid the corp tax, you've got £100,000 left. If you're looking to take forty or £50,000, uh, that partly depends on whether or not uh, there's one or more people there. If you're the only person, then you ought to be thinking about taking some form of a salary then taking your £2,000 tax-free dividend and then uh, looking at, obviously, taking further dividends to use up your basic rate of tax, which gets you up to £50,000. If you have a scenario where there's two of you, and again, just to keep it really simple, let's say it's a husband and wife situation, then both of and let's say you've got no other income, uh, then you both will be looking at taking between £20,000 to £25,000 based on your scenario. Again, you would take a salary of some sort, some take just uh, below the national insurance limit, some take the entire personal allowance. Uh, so it's, that totally depends on you, uh, how you want to do that. And the rest you would take by dividend. Uh, and the first 2000 is tax free. The rest is at the basic rate at 20%. Because there's two of you, it'd be more efficient. There's one of you, you'll have to pay some tax uh, on the dividend, but it's still going to be uh, reasonably efficient. And if you're making 100,000 pounds profit, uh, then 
having a limited company is the best way to go forward. Something else, and, uh, and if you got a, a follow-up question, by the way, uh, feel free to ask that. If, th- and the next point I'm going to make comes up again and again and again, and in fact, it came up in conversation today with somebody uh, who booked a phone consultation with me. He'd purchased a property, converted into 13 flats. It was a commercial property and hadn't claimed uh, capital allowances, uh, and he's looking to run service accommodation from that particular development uh, and he wasn't advised about capital allowances and this is a big one and i know lots of property trainers talk about this quite often but people still miss out on this if you're ever buying a commercial property please make sure you speak to a tax advisor or a capital allowance specialist uh, to help and support you to see if you have a claim for capital allowances and if you're running service accommodation for example you'll have two bites of the cherry one is on purchase possibly and the other one is uh, when you redevelop refurb uh, the property to get it ready for uh, a serviced accommodation business. Uh, so make sure you don't miss out on capital allowances. Uh, it really is a fantastic allowance uh, and it just isn't used well enough uh, by people because they're not aware of it. And don't leave it to your solicitor to advise you. Uh, lawyers are fantastic. They're good at uh, doing property transactions. They are not tax advisors. It's to some extent, uh, it can be argued, it's not their job to give you tax advice because that's what it will say in their letter of engagement. So it's your job to make sure you look at capital allowances. Now, some solicitors may point it out to you, as in you may want to review this. Whether or not they do is their choice, but it's for you to make sure you are on top of that. The next one, which is a really big one, and I have done other videos on this, and I've got a a 32-page report on this, is cars. How should you uh, use your vehicle business purposes in terms of uh, should it be part of the company uh, should you own it personally and that's a conversation for you to have with your accountant but what you ought to be thinking about and I'm, I'm going to generalize here because I can't be specific to every single person situation and scenario if you have a second-hand car and let's say it's 10, 10 or more years old you're probably better off claiming 45 pence per mile for the first 10,000 miles in any tax year uh, and thereafter claiming 25 pence per mile if however you have a new car or you're looking to get an electric car, and an electric car would work exceptionally well for a limited company because the tax rates are very low. If it's not an electric car, it's hybrid and possibly uh, petrol or diesel, uh, then uh, if you get it through the company, uh, the company car tax may be pretty high depending on the type of car you have. And that's when you ought to be thinking about, are you better off claiming mileage or are you better off setting up a different type of structure, i.e. a sole trader, a partnership or an LLP where the business buys the car and there's no company car tax to pay because there is no company per se. Uh, and you can then run the car through that particular uh, vehicle, uh, i.e. sole trader partnership or an LLP, uh, and then uh, hold back uh, the, the personal use element for tax purposes. So that might be a better way of doing it. Again, that's a conversation to have with your accountant in terms of what the best structure for your business is. Got another couple of questions, so I'll answer those and then I'll go through the rest of these. Okay, hi Shaz, hi. How do you please move your PPR into an LLP to convert into a luxury holiday let prior to purchasing a new PPR in order to get the capital allowances on the first PPR? Best regards, Jonathan. So I assume here, Jonathan, what you're saying is you have a home which you live in, uh, which is your principal private residence. You're looking to move that into an LLP, and then what you're going to do is use that as serviced accommodation. 
uh, and then uh, buy a, a new home. So I hope I've got that right. So uh, you can transfer your property into an LLP. There won't be any uh, capital gains tax to pay for you uh, because as long as you've lived uh, in that property through the entirety of ownership, uh, there's no CDT. On the SDLT, you'll have to look at the, the situation and scenario. It depends how you move it into your uh, LLP. Is it capital introduced or is the LLP buying the asset? Uh, so depending on, on that scenario, the SDLT will be calculated. If you sell it, obviously there's SDLT to pay. If it's capital introduced and you still own the asset, but you're giving the asset to the company, then there's no SDLT. Any capital allowances, obviously, uh, for the existing uh, property, uh, will you, you can claim those capital allowances for the kitchen, bathroom, those type of items. If you've got uh, uh, aircon, cameras, uh, all of those things will qualify. But if you refurbish that property uh, and spend more money on it, then you'll have a second lot of capital allowances to claim, Jonathan, which you can claim. And then when you buy your new home, that then becomes your uh, principal private residence. So if you sell that at some point in the future, as long as you lived in it in the entirety of ownership, for the entirety of ownership, sorry, uh, then there won't be any tax to pay on that. I hope that helps, but feel free to ask a follow-up question. The next question we have is from Melinda, which is if you are buying a residential property to convert to service accommodation or holiday let, okay, can you claim capital allowances at purchase and for fitting out uh, and the simple answer, Melinda, to that is yes, as long as you have a service accommodation business or a furniture only let business, uh, you can claim capital allowances both on the purchase and then when you fit it out. So yes, the answer is yes to both of those. Another question from a Facebook user, so we don't have their name. Uh, and the question is, I want to get an electric car uh, lease, but my company hasn't traded long enough and doesn't pass the credit checks. Okay, that's a common problem for to start a company. I personally can pass the credit checks. Can I get the car in my own name and claim the benefits like it would have been in a company such as 50% VAT, 100% lease payments, etc.? Okay, this is an interesting one. And uh, the response from generally tax advisors and accountants uh, fits into two different brackets here. Some will say to you, if you own the car personally and then you give it to the company uh, as a director's loan, for example, uh, you, uh, that's not going to work. There are others out there who will say, uh, if it's your car and you introduce it to the company by way of director's loan, you can claim the expenditure. I'm in the I'm in the second bracket here, whereas I believe that if you if you buy the car personally and you give it to the company, as long as the insurance is paid for by the company and everything else is paid for by the company, uh, and you're paying the lease payments, uh, because obviously you've mentioned. The 50% VAT, so I assume uh, you're talking about a contract hire vehicle, uh, then uh, you can, of course, claim those costs. Something which you ought to be thinking about, by the way, uh, is if you're going to get it personally anyhow, uh, then speak to the contract hire company. And even though you, your company doesn't pass the, a credit check, if you're personally passing a, a credit check, then tell them you're willing to give a personal guarantee. Now, I know people are sometimes uncomfortable with personal guarantees. But the point here is, if you get the car in your own name, then you're kind of personally guaranteeing it anyway. Uh, so if you get it in, in the name of a company and personally guarantee it, you're still in the, in the same situation. You're no worse off. And that may work for you. Now, that depends on the type of company that you talk to. Uh, 
So if you don't have any contacts, uh, send me an email. I'll post my email address for you in, in the comments box below. And uh, I know a couple of companies who are reasonably flexible. So send an email to that e email address. I'll introduce you to somebody uh, who can get you a company car, even if you have a new company. Uh, and if you're willing to give a personal guarantee, that should be able to work for you. That's a better way of doing it, by the way. You'd rather have it in the name of a company as opposed to your own name, if you obviously if it's a fully electric car. Uh, but if you can't, then uh, you can still uh, do it via a director's loan. So that should work absolutely fine. I don't think we've got any more questions here, so I will go back to my list. So cars we've quickly covered. Land remediation relief is a big one. So if you're buying property uh, which is contaminated, uh, asbestos, uh, radon, uh, other such types of contamination, Japanese not read, uh, as long as you buy the property through a limited company, you can claim land remediation relief, which means you can claim 150% of the cost to remove uh, that uh, contamination, as long as you didn't get any discount for when you bought the property for the contamination. So don't miss out on that one. I, 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 there's a lot of people who don't know about that. Again, we're not going to go into the specifics. There's this particular Facebook Live is just to raise your awareness. Okay, got a question here from Anna, Anna Freitas. Anna, hi, nice of you to join us. I hope you're doing well. Uh, if anyone wanted to run an essay abroad, what to consider, please? Uh, if you can be a bit more specific on that, I should add that there is a trading company open in England. Well, Anna, um, a service so, so when you run service accommodation outside uh, the UK, then that business is a separate business to your UK business. So I don't know exactly what your question is, but if you if you want to post the exact question, I'd be happy to answer this because right now it's too broad. And I don't think I'll, I'll fully grasp exactly what you're looking for me to answer. Uh, so feel free to be a bit more specific and I'll happily answer it. Okay, I think we have a follow-up question here. Follow-up question from my PPR1, Shaz. How does one inject the capital into the LLP to avoid the SDLT? As there is substantial equity, please. So you, so I mean, from a purely accounting perspective, I mean, it depends if you have a, a mortgage or not. Uh, but you're saying there's substantial uh, equity, so I assume there is a mortgage. As long as your mortgage conditions allow you to transfer a property, you would introduce that property into your company. So basically, uh, it's if let me simplify it. If you have a car and you use that car for business purposes for an LLP, or you have a laptop and you use that for business purposes, then you as a partner are introducing that asset into the company. So it sits on the company balance sheet, but it, it's also shown as capital introduced for you on the balance sheet by you. So you would introduce that asset into your company. It will sit on, on the balance sheet as an, as an asset, but it's also shown on your capital account as, as something that you've introduced into the company. Later on, if you want to draw down on your capital account, i.e. release some of that equity to yourself, you can do that tax-free because if you draw down on your, on your capital account, there's no tax to pay. Uh, so if you want more information on that, uh, I think it was Jonathan, feel free to uh, come back and I will happily answer that question for you. Melinda has come back and is asking, saying, if you loan money to your company to buy a property, should you put a loan agreement in place with or without an agreed interest rate, or is it best to just repay it out of profits made in the company? Uh, that totally depends on you, Melinda. So 
uh, if it's uh, a company that you own personally and you're in charge of it, so you're the only shareholder and you're the only director, uh, and if you want to put a simplified uh, agreement in place, you can do. There's no obligation for you to do so, by the way. But if you wanted to, you can do. The second part of your question, uh, but if there's another party involved, say, let's say you've got a, a business partner or a friend that you've gone into business with uh, and you're injecting the money, then I would say have a loan agreement uh, to protect your uh, interest. Uh, the uh, second part in terms of should you or should you not charge interest and how much interest you should charge, uh, that totally depends on what your overall income is. Uh, so uh, based on the, the rate of tax you're paying, there is an advantage for you to charge interest to your company. But the more that you earn, uh, the less advantage there is. Uh, so uh, it all depends on your overall income, Melinda, whether, whether or not you should charge interest. But if you do charge interest, uh, then your company will have to file a CT61 showing that it paid you uh, interest. So if you draw down the interest once a year, then your company will have to file a CT61 once a year. If you char charge interest uh, quarterly, then your company will have to file a quarterly CT61. So there is some compliance work to do there. Uh, and from the top of my head, because you might have asked this question, I think if you're a, uh, a basic rate taxpayer, the first thousand pounds worth of savings income is tax free. If you're a high rate taxpayer, five hundred pounds is tax free. And if you're an additional rate taxpayer, then you get no uh, savings income uh, allowance. So I think I've got those numbers right. Uh, so if you were a basic rate taxpayer, Melinda, you could get a thousand pounds in savings income without having to pay any tax. So it depends on your uh, personal rate of tax in terms of whether or not you should charge interest. Coming back to my list, uh, something else which I think you ought to be uh, aware of and thinking about is having different classes of shares. If there's two or more of you, you'll need some flexibility in terms of how you're going to take dividends. Maybe you want to involve your children in, in the business. Maybe you don't want to give them voting rights. Maybe you don't want to give them rights to any capital. Uh, maybe you don't want to give them any, any rights on winding up. So you can give them a different class of shares, known as alphabet shares, or some people call them ABC shares. Uh, but and the, the flexibility it gives you, let's say there's two of you who are uh, shareholders in a company and you own 50% shares each, let's say the, the, the ordinary share capital, and one of you wants to take a 50,000 pound dividend in a particular year, the other one says, I don't need 50,000 pounds this year. Then you get into complicated area of dividend waivers. Should you have those, shouldn't you have those? I'm not gonna cover that here tonight, uh, but if you had say A and B class shares where both of you own 50% each of the ordinary share capital. One of you owns 100% of the A-class shares. The second one owns 100% of the B-class shares. And if one wants to take a 50,000 pound dividend, you can assign that dividend, let's say to the A-class shareholder, they can take that dividend. There's no issue of dividend waivers uh, and that works fine. The following year, the other person may wish to take 50,000 pounds. So it gives you that flexibility uh, in terms of how to distribute dividends based on any one individual's needs. Of course, you need to balance that with, are you happy with one person taking 50,000 pounds from the company uh, if you haven't taken it, uh, because that does expose you to some extent. And that just depends on the situation and circumstances of the company and your relationship and an understanding with your uh, co-shareholder. That's something for you to think about. 
if you are married and uh, one of uh, uh, the spouses isn't uh, uh, using up their personal allowance, uh, then the other spouse uh, can give them up to 10% of their income uh, under the marriage allowance. And that's going to save you, I think, from again, from the top of my head, about £255 every single year. And that's something that you ought to think about uh, and use as often as you can. If you employ people, you get the employment allowance, which is £4,000, which is going to help you with your national insurance savings. So make sure you claim that. If you have a house and you have a spare room and you want to run service accommodation from it as a test or a trial, or you want to rent that room out to somebody, then you can uh, rent it out to them. And up to the first £7,500 is tax-free under rent a room relief. If husband and wife own it, they get half each, so it's £3,750 per person. So think about that. My next point, which Melinda has kindly uh, enabled me to answer that already, which was the personal savings allowance, which is the the, the £1,000 uh, and £500, which I've already covered. That's something you ought to think about. Uh, trivial benefits. If you are a company director or an employee, anything less than £50 or up to £50 uh, isn't taxable. Uh, there are certain conditions attached to that, so it can't be a bonus. You can't give somebody cash. Uh, it can't be an incentive, which is pre-agreed. Uh, but let's say it's Christmas time, which is nearly around the corner, uh, and you as an employer want to give all your employees uh, a pen for uh, Christmas or just a, a, as a gift, and, and the value of the pen is £45. So you take a pen and you give a pen to, to let's say you've got three employees, a pen each to each employee, and, and the price is less than, or the value is less than £50 each, uh, then that would be a tax-free benefit. So do look at the trivial benefits uh, for directors. It's limited to six times a year, so you can do £50 six times a year, which gives you £300. With husband and wife, you get £300 each. For other employees, uh, it, there's no such limit, so it can be slightly higher. Another question from... Anna, I think here is about company cars. Okay, sorry, about uh, service accommodation. You mentioned that having an, an SA business abroad is different or another business. I have a property in Portugal in my own name, which I would consider doing SA. Can I use my company in England to rent that property that is owned on my own name? Uh, well, if it's owned in your own name uh, in Portugal, uh, Anna, and it's a service accommodation business, uh, then you would declare that income in Portugal in your own name. And then you'd also declare that income in the UK if you're resident in the UK, uh, and uh, if there's, uh, and you would use the the, uh, the look at the tax treaty just for double tax relief, so that if the tax is higher in Portugal than here, then you won't have any tax to pay. But the tax rates are higher in the UK, then you'll have to pay the balance. So I can't see the benefit of you transferring that income into your limited company here because you're paying tax in your own name in uh, Portugal and the property isn't owned by the company. Uh, I think another question from Anna, which is, can you roll your expenses, miles going to business to the following year? Okay, so I assume by this question, what you mean, Anna, is that you've claimed mileage through your company and let's say at 45 pence per mile, and let's say you've driven 10,000 miles, so the company owes you four and a half thousand pounds. You've not drawn that down from, from your company and it's sat on your director's loan account, and then therefore you can carry it forward so the company can pay you next year or the year after or whenever it has any funds. So you can, you can carry it, you can roll that forward that way. 
If, however, your question is, I've only driven 8,000 miles in the year, so I've got 2,000 miles left for the 45 pence bracket, can I carry those 2,000 miles towards the next year? If that's the question, the answer is no. But if your question is, if the company owes me money for mileage, which I haven't drawn down on, can I carry that forward? The answer is yes. The next question is one of my most favorite questions ever is, is there a list of where we can find all these great tax deductible expenses? And I'm afraid the answer is no. So the simple rule is if it, for, for a business expense to be allowable, the simple rule is, is it wholly and exclusively for the purposes of the business? If it's an expense related to a director or an employee, then the rule is, is it wholly, exclusively and necessarily for the purposes of the business? As long as you meet that rule, any and every expense is claimable. There is no particular list available in anywhere, I'm afraid, uh, but I can try and create one for you. Uh, seeing that you asked the question, and I'll share that with you at some point in the new year. So I hope that will help. Again, it's not going to be an exhaustive list, uh, but I'll share with you most of the common items that people can and should be looking at claiming. Okay. Uh, Jonathan says, many thanks for answering my question. Best wishes and best wishes to you too, Jonathan. Another question from a Facebook user. Hey, Shaz, hope you are well, you are going to put this live video on YouTube channel. I've missed all your golden nuggets. Yes, it will be live on, uh, should be live on YouTube, by the way. But I'll happily put it on, on live. Uh, sorry, I'll happily put it onto YouTube for you. Another question from Gorilla Investor. Nice name, by the way, Gorilla Investor. Yeah. Hi, Shaz, I have an online business and a day job. How do I tax efficiently extract profits to invest in property? The business is a sole trader, but want to convert into a limited company. That totally depends uh, uh, on uh, how much money you need personally. So let's say you, you've got a full-time job as you have, or you have a day job, and let's say it's a full-time job, and that job is enough or sufficient to cover your personal expenditure. If you have a sole trader business, like I said earlier at the start of this live, you'll have to pay tax on that income uh, because it's a sole trader business, whether or not you use that money for personal purposes or for business purposes. So I think you're, you're going down the right path here. Set up a limited company, uh, make obviously your income and turnover and profits through that company. You'll have to pay corporation tax. Then what you can do, you've got two options. Uh, you can either loan that money to another limited company and that second limited company can be your investment company where you buy property. So there'll be loans from company A to company B. Or again, depending on your situation and scenario, you could set up a subsidiary. So, so, so your limited company that does the trading owns a second company uh, and that company can then buy property uh, and you can transfer money from company A down to company B as an investment. So uh, it, it depends on whether you're going to have an investment business or whether you're going to have a trading business on which structure you should use. Uh, sorry, then someone says, thank you for the, the listener new year. I didn't want anything exhaustive, but like your example of trivial expenses, yeah, happy to, 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 to share a list with you. I hope you'll find that useful in the new year. Sometimes I get more homework from doing these Facebook lives than anything else. Uh, but I guess that's part of sharing with the community. Final question from Melinda, uh, and I think then we're done, which is with shares in a company, uh, if, you, if one has 90% and the other has 10% shares from the startup, and not yet traded. Is it better, cheaper, easier to change class of shares now? Only director owns 
yes, Melinda, if you just set up a company and there's two of you, one owns 90% and the other one owns 10%, it is better to do it now and it'll be cheaper for you to do it now. So set up uh, A class shares, shares, B class shares, C class shares, however many you need and assign those to the different people uh, in your company. And if you want to obviously uh, offer those shares to other people right now, they'll have no value and they'll just be at par value. The best time to do it is now. One final point for you. Uh, and if you saw the webinar that I hosted uh, last month where we had five mastermind places available, I'm pleased to say to share with you four have gone. Uh, and we've only got one place left uh, for our online mastermind. So if you're interested, uh, then here's some information for you. Uh, on that online mastermind, it's 90 minutes every single month. And we focus on things like finding deals, funding deals, appraising deals, business structure, looking at more, no money down, exit strategies, some of the kind of questions that, that I've answered for you today. That uh, mastermind is directly with me. So I'm at every single session, leading the session for you. And we help you with any questions you have to do with property. So just as an example, last month in November, uh, I had my deal sourcer come on there and share with people how he sources deals and how he can work with people going forward uh, and the kind of deals he can assist with. The month before that, we had uh, Gary Davidson, who's my site manager for the Vicar project. So he talked through uh, what it takes to be a site manager, the kind of issues and challenges that you come across, how to make sure you stick to the works program, how to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Uh, and this month, which is the mastermind is in two days time on Thursday, uh, we'll have my finance broker who'll be coming on there, again, sharing his knowledge, experience and expertise, answering questions, questions assisting, supporting people. Uh, now, if you sign, so I've only got one place left, by the way, so if two people want to sign up, two can't get in. And this is not no, some exclusive high pressure stuff here, by the way. It's only we've only got one place left, generally and sincerely. And that's why uh, uh, it's only available to one person because we have a cutoff for how many people we can have. Whoever signs up will get the same bonuses as everybody else got, which are on screen for you here. You'll get um, the monthly subscription to our tax newsletter, which is worth 197 plus VAT. You'll get one site visit in the year where we'll go to one of my projects. It could be the uh, Boston Bicker one, or it could be the one that we're going to do next. You'll get a 38-page report that I wrote personally on tax-efficient cars, covering all the different scenarios for you uh, that you ought to think about, which will help you to use your car in the best way in terms of tax purposes. You'll have full access to all of my contacts, uh, whether it's raising finance, funding, finding deals, estate agents, everybody I know in the world of property over the last 20 years, I'll happily give you access to them. You'll have access to my construction team. If you have any questions about project management, site management, construction, uh, quantity surveying, they'll be there to assist you as and when you have questions. And I will give you my joint venture agreement because I know lots of people want to do no money down deals with JV. You'll get that. Uh, so the total value of the bonuses is £3,338 plus VAT. And the investment for you is £3,000 plus VAT or £250 per month for over a, a 12 month period. However, I'm giving you the same deal that I offered last month on my webinar, which is if you pay up front, it's £2,000 plus VAT paid up front for the whole year. It comes with a 100% money back guarantee. So anytime you're not happy with this 
uh, month one, month two, or month ten, or month twelve, you just tell me that you weren't happy with it. You can have all your money back because if people aren't happy. I don't really want your money to be honest with you. Simple as that. There's a bitly link there, slightly longer than what it should be, but feel free to take a photo and add it. Uh, have a look at the offer in more detail. But like I said, only available to one more person because I made the promise we'd only open it up to five more people. We've, we've had four, and there's one space left. And I think we've got a comment here from one of our new mastermind attendees who actually joined uh, in uh november which is yoko so yoko thank you very much for being here and thank you obviously for signing up and yoko says the last mastermind session was great which was actually her first session because she signed up uh, in november so she's saying thank you very much and thank you yoko for being there and the one on thursday in two days time will be just as good yoko if not better so that's the, this facebook live done the longest facebook live i think i've ever done because usually i'm 15 20 minutes i'm done but thank you very much for the questions uh, and for engaging, uh, I will create uh, a list of expenses that you can claim in the new year. If I don't speak to you before then, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas uh, and a new year. And I will see you soon. Take care. And bye for now. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages and Trust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.